Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. No days off. No days off. No days off. No days off. This is the Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest <laughs> With Andy Hart. All right, good to be with you. All right. This yeah, microphone week. put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> and Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal, 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 Hannibal. Mr. Dot Commer on WEEI.com. It's been a while. It's been a, a week since we've done a podcast. Last time we talked, we were breaking down the Patriots' loss to the Bills, and now we're uh, a week later, a week plus later. Some great NFL games last weekend, but then relating to the Patriots, um, their assistant coaches, front office members, they haven't gone anywhere. Um, and that's probably because of a lack of hiring around the league, but I wanted to get your thoughts. Like my general take is, uh, I think there's a good sense and a good chance that a lot of the Patriots coaches front office guys actually stay because they haven't been hired yet. Yeah, it's, it's definitely weird. And I like it. I give the NFL credit to me. This is how it should have always been. It should not have been a rush to fill GM and, and coaching jobs. The most important decisions that a franchise can make. Um, I've always thought, get that right. Don't get it done first. Don't race to get people um hired yeah don't and, don't race to hire joe judge uh yeah don't race to hire joe judge um this is the slowest it's ever been which i think is a good thing but it also leaves a lot of balls in the air for the patriots and other teams and you know there's a new ball in the air with sean payton walking away from the well i guess walking away for a year i don't know he's very non-committal sounds like if dallas offers he'll be in dallas as soon sounds as- like my get he's gonna work for nbc for the next year or so pick up some money and then uh when mike mccarthy gets fired he's going to coach, coach right. um or even if i don't know wouldn't he the way dallas works and who knows like what if he gets fired mid-season i wouldn't put it past them hiring him mid-season to like right. finish a year and then start the whatever um 
but no, there's a lot. You got Ziggler tied sort of into that Vegas situation. Um, you got Elliot Wolf that went to Minnesota, interviewed in Minnesota. Sounds like he's he's out of both places. Yes, but you still have this Josh McDaniels. Oh, yeah, everybody sounds like I don't know. There's like this feels like Florio's promoting Josh more than he's reporting on Josh. See, I was just gonna say that. Like there was that the weekend little buzz ish. It was Fowler, Jeremy Fowler, and then Florio. But then after that, it was just like silence. It was almost like I don't want to put you know sourcing, but like Josh's agents like putting this out there to try to prop up his client, and those guys took the bait. And Florio even wrote it as like loosely or cautious. Raiders could be preparing to make a run at or something. It was very, very vague. Now I did hear, is her name Kimberly Martin from ESPN? Yeah. Um, she was on Get Up this morning and she said she's still hearing rumblings that, you know, the, the Raiders and Josh could be a fit, that they still like Josh. Um, but the reality as of, as of right now, Gerard Mayo is still a Patriot. Josh McDaniel's still a Patriot. Elliot Wolf's still a Patriot. And Same uh, Zebra's still a Patriot. Which, so let's go in two directions. Break it up. Front office first. Um, I had been told that that was the best offseason um, crew they felt for the Patriots in a long time. With Ziggler and Wolf and everybody working together, collaborative or not, Bill, final decision, forget that. But just mm -hmm. the people collecting information, the relationships, the trusts, all of that worked really well last year that ever so if they can keep that together for another year of rebuild and tough decisions and draft and free agency i think that's huge i think that would be really big and keeping that together probably helps you theoretically keep your coaches together because those yeah. guys aren't influencing decisions i would say the if mcdaniels leaves ziegler's going to like their pack it seems like they're a package deal it seems like that but what happened to um Lewis Riddick being a package deal with Josh. When, when did he stop being Josh's package deal? Like when he got a lot of money from ESPN. Is that it? Like he's just comfortable and um, see, I would think his ego would push him because he seems like he has a big ego. I don't I thought, know Lewis um, Riddick, but I think Breer reported that Ziegler would have been Josh's guy in Cleveland a couple of years ago. So it does seem like Riddick kind of got out of the McDaniel's uh, circle, which I think. I wonder how, why, how, like, whatever that's, you know, just cause he didn't go to John Carroll, he's no longer Josh's guy. Right. I don't, I don't know how that works. Um, but certainly I think now I know Patriots fans would tend to push back. I think keeping Josh is a really good thing. Like, of course it is. Like how can any person that watches the NFL think losing Josh McDaniels would be a good thing for the Patriots? Well, you know that there's a strong portion of Patriots fans on Twitter that hate Josh. Well, uh, newsflash, uh, if he leaves, who's calling the place? Nick Haley, Mick Lombardi? You want, you want a son of Mike Lombardi calling your offensive place? Um, I mean, you said that with some tone. I think Mick seems like a nice man. I enjoy He's a nice man. I just – you think he's, can, he's capable of calling NFL plays? Capable or ready to succeed at a high level in that role? Uh, yeah, ready to succeed at a high level and be – and succeed Josh McDaniels. Ryan Hannibal got a little edge this morning. You think he's capable of calling plays? Um, <laughs> I, again, I would say not ready, not ready for the role. I don't know if he's incapable of the role. I mean, he has been in the football world for a while. His he's dad, capable of calling plays. I should rephrase that. He's capable of calling plays, but can he be effective? Um, with a young quarterback like Max Jones. Well, he, 
hey, I'm, I'm in a mood, so I'll even push back against can he be effective? Probably. Can he be the best guy at it, the best guy for the job? Probably not at this mm-hmm. point. I mean, I would I would juxtapose it to, you know, my favorite guy, Brian Dable, who has been an offensive coordinator for five teams now. Like, he was calling the plays for, or more than that, college OC, NFL OC, bouncing, like, he had a better preparation process for the role he was in. And, oh, by the way, had a great quarterback and all that. But to com- to say Mick Lombardi's going to step in and be ready to go, like, toe-to-toe with that or go toe-to-toe with Andy Reid, play caller versus play caller, like, shootout. No, I don't think Mick I, – I don't even think it would be fair to Mick Lombardi for him that's, to do that's that. That's my right? point. Like, he's not – it'd be unfair to him to do that. And I think it's kind of the same thing with people with teams moving on from coaches – like, who are you going to do better with? The Patriots fans that don't like McDaniels? Okay, who can do better than him? Like, Bill, Bill O'Brien? O'Brien. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But He's the obvious choice. Yeah. He's the obvious keep the scheme and everything. Keep And and that's the one thing we've talked about. We know that. It, the scheme would stay the same for Mac, whoever comes in. But I would say, it. so nobody, I don't even think they did it last year. But remember... We've had over the years the those times when guys get to make call the plays either in practice or whatever. Yeah, usually it's the final preseason game. I don't think we've seen that of late. Like, Yeah, I don't think so either. Like um, I don't remember Nick Cayley or Mick Lombardi getting the headset and doing that or DeMarcus Covington or I don't – and I think that's probably because, well, at least defensively, hell, we got to figure out the guys that are doing the job, never mind the guys who might do the job after these guys do the job. Um, so I, I just – they're not as ready for any of those transitions. So I, In the offensive thing last year, this last preseason was you had a new quarterback in Mac. Like, I think that was part – you had to get Mac on the same page. You weren't worried about coaches. You were worried about Mac. Well, first you were worried about a competition at quarterback, never mind worried about Mac. You yeah. theoretically still had Cam Newton as your starter. Um, so, yes – I it just came to me as we talk about this. So defensively, which has been a a big talking point. um, You know, I know there's a certain subset of fans that want Steve Belichick fired, um, which I think is asinine. The way I posed it to some people is um, they made the playoffs. He had the number two scoring defense in the NFL. It was top five in virtually everything. And they laid an egg. Don't get me wrong. They laid an egg, but it, I don't care whether his name is Belichick, Smith, Hart, Hannibal. That guy's not getting fired anywhere in the NFL, in my opinion. Anywhere. Right. And, oh, by the way, they also had injuries, personnel issues, lack of depth near the end of the season. That's what I was going to say. Like, you're going to so, blame Steve Belichick for having, you know, Jawan Williams trying to cover Cole Beasley and Gabriel Davis. Come on. <laughs> That's a good one. You, yeah. you just made me think. You know the old saying, Belichick the GM is hurting Belichick the coach? That same statement, and it's not about Bill. Belichick, Steve, is being hurt by Belichick, Bill, the GM. Yeah. Um, so you made me think there. But I also wanted to touch on this idea that I think Burt Breer has been promoting. Um, and I wanted to get your view on it. Maybe we can flesh it out a little bit here. That Gerard Mayo is the more significant defensive coach in terms of the Patriots defense and putting it all together, he has a bigger role on the Patriots defense than the play caller, Steve Belichick thoughts. Maybe like you're saying like during the week, like he's more involved in, I don't know. Like, you haven't seen this. You haven't seen this yet. You haven't. 
I've I've seen I've seen bits. I haven't heard the clip, but I've heard that it's been getting flown flown out there. Um, and even, but my thing with that is, it's like, are you with the mind that this year was any different than it's been since Brian Flores left? No, I just I find it hard to believe. To me, it feels like somebody promoting their guy Mayo. Um, and I like Mayo. I, I don't want to not promote Mayo. I'm all for promoting him. He's that's great, but. So I'm supposed to believe that the guy calling the play isn't a huge voice during the week. And Mayo has this big voice, even though Bill is readily available all week long when they're game planning. So I just, I don't know that I'd buy it. I don't really understand how it would work. And maybe this actually falls in line with the the Bedard theory that there's too many voices and that there's confusion. Who do I listen to? Maybe that's true. Because if Bill's there, and Gerard is the bigger voice or the you know bigger role during the week, and then Steve is the play caller. I could see how that would be confusing. I just don't really buy it. I don't buy it because it, what it's this has happened since Flores left. Why all of a sudden is it a story now? Like because they stunk. That's right. why. Exactly. This wasn't even a story. 2019, 2020. Nobody even right. was talking about it. But now all of a sudden, there's too many voices. Too many voices. Like I it wasn't even I just, really a story before the bye week. Right. Exactly. Right. I mean, they had they had their ups and downs, and they had the Dallas game and those things. But at the beginning of the season, when they were really bad, did I, did anybody raise? Oh, there's too many voices. No, no. I find this very weird. The other thing I found weird, as we sort of did a post mortem on the defense, was this idea that after the Dallas game, Bill took over, but then he gave it back to them the bye week. That was it's the most asinine theory I've ever heard in my life. Even yeah. even if that was true. You think Bill would go into the playoffs saying, oh, we've stunk the last three weeks, but just continue it, you know, keep, keep going. Like, no. Like, Plus, I also think if it's true, so wait a minute. When we play the shitty teams in the middle of the season who don't have their players, you are running the defense. But when we're playing Jonathan Taylor, Josh Allen twice down the stretch, oh, now it's on me? Right. I tell him to go F himself. Like, yeah. It doesn't make any sense at all. It doesn't. Okay. But so the, the big takeaway, I guess, would be we agree that it would be a positive if they kept everybody together. No question. And do we agree? Like, do you think because I know some people had the theory that if there's too many voices in the kitchen, that Mayo leaving would be a positive because it would put uh, Steve in sort of a more solidified footing. And you and I have talked about what's Matt Patricia's role. Is he going to take on a coach? I don't believe he will. It I, the, Every vibe I get is Bill wants Matt Patricia to be like above coordinator level. His like, assistant, yeah. Yeah, and, and have, you know, Ernie level duties, like personnel, like anything I need, you're my guy. What do they call it? The, uh, what's the guy in the the Godfather? The consigliere or whatever. Yeah. Basically, um, yes, man. Yeah, I, I don't think Bill wants to lose him to like everyday defensive duties or whatever. I, I, I mean, I could be run. Someone has to run training camp practices. That's true. You know, I thought that would be Bill. I thought you pay the guy twenty. Well, million actually, that could be Joe Judge, but that's another story. Uh, that is another story. We can get into that in a minute. But okay, now let's get into that now. So, would you advocate? Um, side note here. So we the we'll get into the games and last weekend and everything. And one of those games was the Green Bay Packers, which I would say um, Patriots themselves right out of the playoffs by having a punt blocked and not having enough men on the field on a field goal and their special team sucking to which Mike Lombardi was ridiculously critical 
ridiculously critical, said, I believe the quote was something to the effect that there's no head in quotes with some head coaches or like basically personal attacks. Yet he's the guy who said there were no problems with the coaching in New England this year. <laughs> yeah, uh, what are you talking about? It's Bill Belichick. Are we serious? Like, are we serious? Yeah. What are we doing here? I mean, that's where Mike Lombardi kind of has no credibility. I'm going to say, yeah, ties himself into knots with no credibility because he is an FOB and you know wants to defend Bill, but won't. But again, I don't understand why these guys, like I, I butted heads a little with Scal on this about the Celtics. Why can't you just say, you know, like you don't have to go over the top and say like personal attacks or the way Lombardi has done for Jason Garrett or Doug Pete, like he's gone after them personally, mocked them, the clapper. Yeah, I was like, just saying the clapper, yeah. I'm not asking him to do that, but can't you acknowledge in a respectful way? Certainly we've seen some things this year that we don't see a lot in New England over the last 20 years. Issues with personnel, mm-hmm. issues with special team. Like, I don't know why you can't do that. Like, why is that? Like, if I read a story from you that sucked, like it was like typos everywhere, punctuation was effed up. Am I going to say, I know I didn't see anything. Looked perfect to me. I'm going to be like, I like Ryan. He works as hard as anyone. Maybe he had a bad day or whatever. It's a bad day. Something's going on. Like you can say that. And that's where I don't really buy into much of what Mike Lombardi says. You can't like he entertains me at times with his arrogance because it is entertaining. So when he puts it on like the league or the officials and he starts rolling and he's taking shots at guys, it entertains me, but there's no credibility. There's no value like, oh yeah, he knows what he's talking about in that area. Cause I know for a fact he'll take personal shots at three quarters of the coaches and everything Bill does is right and perfect and nothing to see here. So there's no credibility there, but so getting back to the special teams, if I'm Cam Acord, see Bill, the best team in the NFC can do exactly what we did. It lost them a playoff game. Doesn't happen to just us, but would you bring back um, Joe Judge to oversee the special teams? If, if everybody comes back, uh, if, if everybody comes back and the staff's the same, I don't know if I would. I think it's too many like egos, too many head coaches. See, that's where I don't like everybody says brain drain is part of the problem for the Patriots. And you and I have talked about it. They have all these brains that are either were head coaches. If Judge came back, you'd have four NFL coach, head coaches on your staff. And another guy that everybody wants to be a head coach. Right. Like, so, yeah, I don't – I personally would bring him back just for the pure, the, the, the simple, like, specifics of the situation. Special teams sucked last year. There were, there were, like, significant errors in that game. You were better when he was the special teams coach. You're probably going to lose Matthew Slater to retirement, so you're losing your best player and leader. Yeah, I, I guess I, I mean there's no harm in bringing him back. Like I'm not saying like having Joe Judge in the building would you know cause friction among the coaching staff. Um, the only one that to me it, it could is Cam Acord. Like he takes it, like I'm sorry, you're demoted. Like you are no matter what you know. Assistant I don't think he would come back with the with the title of special teams coordinator. Right. It'd probably be assistant head coach, special teams or assistant head coach, special projects or right. whatever. And, you know, you said egos. Well, we knew Joe Judge was arrogant and had an ego and was loud when he was here the first time. So every it worked. Everybody knew what he was the first time. I don't think that I would bring him back in a heartbeat because of how bad the special teams were this year. Like you can't get past that and it can't 
can't hurt to have that guy there. Yeah, the, the gain of bringing him back outweighs the potential negatives, which I don't think are really there. Like, I just – if you got all those guys and kind of said, like, you're in charge of this, don't worry about, like, what we're doing on defense. Like, show judge. He would need to be told, like, don't worry about what we're doing on offense. Like, don't step into a meeting with Josh right. Gage and say, well, I was a head coach. You're doing this wrong. Like, as right. long as he knew his – skated his lane, then I don't think there'd be any issues. And then, then I don't want to hear any brain drain issues because you would have a head coach at every position, head coach, defense, every head coach, special team, right? Like, so I don't want to hear any brain drain crap. Um, but it's going to be interesting how this plays out over the next few weeks. Do you think I, back to the defense? Do you think that they need to name a defensive coordinator so there's some like clarity? No, I don't. I mean, as you said, they were good with Brian Flores. He wasn't the coordinator. Like the only the only thing that the only way that I think that they kind of should is a situation that happened in Buffalo. There's no one to answer what went wrong. It's it leaves it up to the media and whoever to speculate who to blame. But I think that's also the way that the Patriots like to do things. The way Bill likes to do things is not have it be on one specific person. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and in general, that's what he does. Like whether it's players, coaches, it's not you know. It's no one thing. We all need to coach it. Plus, also, people don't, like Brian Flores was never defensive coordinator. The last defensive coordinator was Matt Patricia. And Matt Patricia wasn't the defensive coordinator for a while when he was in the role. Yeah. Josh, like they all did it and there weren't all these huge complaints. Now, part of it is Steve Belichick and the nepotism angle. And I know even our station, the, the Merloni and Fourier guys were big on nepotism and everybody on this coaching staff has a friend or this how'd they get here a bad resume where'd they come from and i would say and it's been that way for 20 years i mean hands look around the rest of the league right well yeah that's certainly any i would urge anybody there's a long story on the detractor is that what it's called uh... i think it's the detractor something like that where they did a deep dive into nepotism in the NFL and staffs and relationships and all of that. And it's eye-opening the percentages of people that are friends of a friend, uncle of a, you know, son, father, uh, and all of that. So defector, D E F E C T O R. Yeah. Defector. Um, good long story with numbers and stats and all that, um, about that, but even below that level, yeah, it's an NFL problem. I would say it's a Patriot way. It's, mm-hmm. it's worked forever. Eric Mangini was a ball boy for Bill Belichick until he was his defensive coordinator. Like Look all at the these- top of the organization, Robert and Jonathan Saint, like, well, that's the way the NFL works. And I, I actually argue this is the way the world works. I, you know, everybody thinks it's great that, Oh, that plumber, his, his dad was the plumber and he, you know, learned from him and they've been doing the business it. for 50 years. Like that's, right. a, that's viewed as a positive. Right up until, you know, he screws up your pipes and there's a flood in your basement. Okay, well, maybe the apple rolled away from the tree and this guy sucks. His dad was good, but this guy sucks. I don't know. Right. right. Yeah, I'm, I'm not overly worked up over they have too many nepotistic, nepo, whatever, nepotism hires. And I, I, I just don't, to me, I would go back to, and we're going to get into this a little bit, I think, later in terms of the offseason. But, like, the personnel was an issue in a lot of areas. The mm-hmm. personnel was a significant issue in a lot of areas and you fix that. And I think those coaches will look a little bit better. So we agree that it seems like the majority or basically all of the coaching and front office guys will be back. And that is a positive for the team. I mean, yeah, Josh is the wild card. It seems like I was going to say, if you had to pick one guy to leave right now, who would it be? 
I'm not saying that you want to leave, that will leave. Oh, Josh, okay. these rumblings and as more jobs open up, so we now have nine openings, right? Nine total, yep. So more than 25% of the league is open, Josh. Um, there's rumblings of his name, like below the surface, no one's requested it, the Raiders, and even, you know, the, I, so I guess the GM jobs are kind of falling into place a well, little bit. Well, that's the thing that I think has held up a lot of these head coaching hires is that there's been a lot of these teams have both GM and head coach openings. And a lot of the teams want the GM to have some say on the head coach. Right. And now, so the Giants hired a guy, the Bears hired a guy. Vikings seem to be likely to hire a guy. Yeah, the Vikings are closing in. The Raiders are still open, still figuring out what they're doing, I guess. Like with everything uh, uh, with the Raiders. Well, and they they have the the all, the other wild card of, of uh, Jim Harbaugh is rumbling yep. around. Like, is he interested? Is he not? Are they interested in him? Blah, blah, blah. So, but yeah, it, it feels like Mayo's not going to get a job. Um, I have a, a thing I want to throw out to you. Do you think okay. Josh would ever consider New Orleans? Yes. I do too. Yeah. I, I actually thought of that yesterday. Now, the one issue is, <laughs> I think it's kind of the issue that maybe pushed Peyton out as quarterback. Like, who's your quarterback? That's what I was going to say. I mean, he's, I can't imagine he's a Taysom Hill guy. I mean, who is? I mean, he was a uh, Tim Tebow guy, so <laughs> not yeah. that different. But I just look at the lanes, like the, the way that, like, Sean Payton seems very similar to McDaniels and offensive mind, and also, like, he wants to be in control of everything. And the ownership and how that structure is, they seem to be okay with that, the head coach being in charge of everything. Yes, yes. Um, it would all, to me, depend on what the quarterback situation – and. By extension, like another layer to this. So we have the GM layer, the coaching layer, and then the quarterback layer is also still with all these names out there. And I know it's silly season and, and we're part of that. I enjoy that. I enjoy just BSing about, wow, imagine if Brady forces him himself out of Tampa because he wants to go to San Francisco. Like, I like it. I like Aaron Rodgers could be a free agent. Deshaun Watson is a trade target. Russell, Russell Wilson. Wilson. Like, yeah, there's – and. I, I don't know if there's alliances being formed. Remember two weeks ago, the whole talk was Flores and Watson were going to be a package deal somewhere. Yep. If that's true, I don't know. If that was just talk, I don't know. Would Brady want Josh? The other one is Tampa. The other one is, is if Brady has you know grown tired of Bruce Arians, wants to force him out. Well, that's my and, thing all this. I don't know about you, but I think Brady, this whole retirement talk, he wants Bruce out and he wants to pick his head coach. And maybe because it sounds like Leftwich is going to the Jags. Yep. Um, so and, and Arians kind of already shot back and like his taking control where he was asked to think Monday uh, if Leftwich leaves, like who will call the play? He's like, that'll be me. I've done it before. And I'm ready to take over the role. I'm, right. And I'm sure Tom was like, oh, great. Like I have the answer to you. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll get into that a little bit by extension here now, this Brady thing. I still think he's retiring. I thought it all year. Um, I don't think this is a power play. I think this is then why, um, why wouldn't he just do it? Cause he's Tom. Cause he likes the drama. He likes the attention. I don't know. Or maybe it's got to be branded properly. I don't know exactly. I'm sure he's not like everyone else where you can just say I'm retiring. Probably needs to be all video production and right. Gray has to do some interview. Right. I, I, you know, it'll be sponsored by Under Armour and the man, the man leaving the arena episode 11 or whatever, like, I, I, so yeah, I, I don't try to get into his head for that, but I, I've just gone back to the second he said, you know, obviously I'm playing next year. I'm locked in, you know, I'll definitely be back for 
I was like, what? You're deaf. Like he had never said that that way. In my opinion, it was always the long term, mm-hmm. play till 45, another decade, anything that just stunk the second he said it to me. And, you know, he did say to Jim Gray this week on the let's go podcast on Sirius XM that he doesn't want the, the little uh, retirement tour. He, he does. And that's actually one place I believe him. I yeah. do think it would be a distraction to him. I don't think he wants to deal with that week to week. Yeah, just look at how the New England week was. That clearly was draining on him. He couldn't do that Correct. for an entire season. So if he came back for next year, most people are going to assume that's his last year. So he would get some of that distraction retirement, even if they do a fake extension and add another year or two years, whatever. They would say, you so, said till you're playing till you're 45 and you're 45. So you're done. Right. And, you know, listening to some of his comments about family i don't really buy the family thing on some level because he's you know i have kids now yeah you've had kids um am i frozen hello you're uh you're keep going why am i frozen keep going just talk that go liner son of a bitch you're good Um, we ain't lose you uh so yeah, I, I, he's had kids forever. Like, like I, I don't really buy the kids thing. Um, I think this year was difficult. He referenced that it was a struggle and like, certainly the, the AB thing and losing Godwin and all that. Um, I did think it was interesting that he said, what did he say? He was satisfied with. Yeah. With, satisfied with like the, his, yeah. When was the last time he was satisfied with anything? When was the last time satisfied with when, losing the divisional round? Yeah, but I feel like there were times he wasn't even satisfied with winning, never mind losing. Right. So that stuck out to me. And some of his comments when he said, um, and I forgot the exact words he used, but like. Family he, decision, not always well, my decision. That certainly there's, although I'll get into that in a minute, but no, he, he said like, I don't know if fulfilled was the word, but he used a word like football is fulfilling to him or whatever. I need to also be fulfilled with my life outside it's like he's talking himself into that matters. I don't think it, like it matters, but I think this is where he's being honest. He knows there's nothing like the feeling and, and the, the commitment he has to football mm. that like, that's his first love. Sorry, Giselle. Sorry, kids. That's the reality. He's talking himself into those other things and those mattering and blah, blah, blah. I do think she is a key factor here. Family's a key factor, but I said to Mutt the other night, if there was an open vote, I don't know if his kids would vote for him to retire because they're now old enough to like, it's cool that my dad is Tom Brady. Well, as you said, just look at Vivian at the game. She goes on TV. She's waving. Right. Like, that's cool. So, and and he makes like his life is so hard. Like, that's that's the part that I want to get to. It's not. You work for six months of the year. And, right. And he acts like he's like on the road for all six months. Like, no, you're probably, you have a nice setup in Tampa Bay. You're probably home, you know, at four or five o'clock every day. You're spending time with your family. Then, you know, you're, you get whatever you travel, what, 10 road games a year. Okay. You're gone for one night. Like he acts like he's doesn't see his family for six months during the year, which couldn't be any further from the truth. And I know he is probably also talking about workouts and food and like, because I do believe he, he puts everything into being in shape and yeah. you know, part of that is the brand and marketing the brand, but part of it is that's what he believes works for him. But yeah, you're right. I, I mean, we talked about for the last year and a half or whatever, 
how he's found a work-life balance in Tampa and he can go out on the boat on a Saturday afternoon with the kids and all of these things. So yeah, I don't really buy that. Also, but I, So his season ended Sunday. He doesn't have to physically, he's not mandated to report to anything until one week in June. Right. Right. So he has six months to do all his family time that he wants. And then even after that, you go for one week, then you have another month off until training camp. And then like you have a good relationship with the, with the team and Bruce and whatever. And you could say, you know what, Bruce, I, I need a day. I'm going to take the kids on the boat. You think Bruce is like, what the hell are you doing? No. It's like, all right, see you tomorrow. No. And by some reports, he has done that over the right. last year and a half. And oh, I, I keep going to the hall of fame and see your friends get inducted. Sure. This practice. That's okay. Right. And if you remember, Bruce Arians was also the guy that said when he about his assistant coaches, like, if you miss one of your kids games or recitals, I'll fire you myself. Mm -hmm. Like, I still expect you to do your job. So if you have to come back after you leave the game or leave the recital and work late at night, that's you, you have to do that. But he certainly, at least publicly, I don't, maybe he's a fraud, and this isn't real, but he seems to publicly embrace the idea that people should be fathers and, and still mm -hmm. part of their family's lives. So yeah, I, I just think it's the end. I think he also, I mean, Aaron Rodgers articulated what I think Brady, he doesn't want to be part of any kind of a rebuild or transition. Absolutely or, not, right. So you look at it, AB's gone. I guess Gronk might want to come back, but we know that Gronk is living on borrowed time, like at this point in his career. He could, oh. he could go down with a major injury or just be a shell of himself in week one yep. in any season. Um Chris Godwin is coming off a major injury plus a free agent. Probably so, won't be ready for the start. I don't. I mean, ACLs are different these days, right? But that—that's if he's even back in Tampa. If he gets a contract, right. right? He could be ready or not ready for another team. I just—it doesn't like they were built for this year. They were built for another run, and it didn't work. It kind of had its in-season hurdles and then it fell apart in the postseason even for, though for as much as everything went perfect in 2020 he faced the reality of the nfl in 2021 where things do not go perfect and you kind of have injuries and other things that come along your way that don't make it as easy as it was last year right and there's a reason he was the last guy to lead a team to back-to-back -back super bowls way 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 back in 04 it's hard to do like stuff pops up it's injuries the whole nfl world so yeah i just I think he's retiring. Um, I, when when will that happen? Um, late February, early March. So before free agency? Yeah, I have to think he does it before free agency so everybody can go about their business sort of eyes wide open. And I mean, even Rogers, who people think is the most selfish dink on the planet. So he needs like, to make it before free agency, right? Yeah, to be fair to everyone, his teammates, his team, everybody. So I can't imagine he would he – would, extend it past then but it could be anytime like it wouldn't stun me if it was next week either or i mean he's such an egomaniac wouldn't stun me if it if adam schefter on super bowl sundays has I was just gonna say brady on it, it makes a, a jim gray thing on westwood one i'm retiring especially um let's just say that the super bowl oh, is that? jimmy garoppolo yeah. let's just say that you don't think brady might want to steal his limelight because i do think Whatever it is, I don't think he likes Jimmy Garoppolo. I like the more and more I've seen it, he kept him at arm's length. And I think he, I don't know if he just holds like them drafting him against Jimmy. I mean, that's or, part of it. Cause by all accounts, we were around it. Jimmy seemed, it wasn't like he was poking Brady. Like it was no. fine. They had a good relationship, it seemed like.
Jimmy was one of the nicest people that ever came through that locker room. That's what I mean. It wasn't like he was saying, I'm, I'm beating out Tom Brady. He's like, no, I'm behind the greatest quarterback of all time. Like, right. He, he didn't like disrespect Brady in any way. Knowing Brady, this is probably a Jordan thing where it's like one little thing he did. Like, remember the, the suspension? We, we've talked about this. The suspension year when he said things go more smoothly without Tom out there. Mm. Knowing Brady, that was like a Jordan moment. What, what's that? What's that meme? And I took that personally or something yeah. <laughs> like from then on, Jimmy was dead to him. Like it, it just feels that way. So yeah, it would not stun me if Schefter had like a, a Schefter bomb on Super Bowl Sunday morning, Tom Brady retiring. And like, there goes Super Bowl Sunday. He take Brady takes full spotlight. Wouldn't stop. Uh, that would be the ultimate Brady thing of all time. And I wouldn't put it past him. Be better if he even did like a, a Jordan like special that aired you know, opposite the Super Bowl <laughs> instead of like the puppy bowl or something, air your own right. special. Right. But Hey, wouldn't, wouldn't stun me. All right. Okay. Uh, back to the Patriots. Patriots watching, watching um, the divisional round, which as we said, was a great, great collection of games, probably the best four games in a weekend in NFL history. Did you feel, uh, how did you feel about the Patriots better or worse? Or the same? Well, it's hard not to feel worse, right? Uh, like yeah. it, I don't, I don't know how you could feel better. Um, and it certainly altered some things. Certainly the direct comparison, we've, we've talked about it. Like it doesn't make their season or their, their current lot in life any worse because we said they deserve to make the playoffs. They deserve to win 10 games. Their rookie quarterback was good. They probably would have beat the Steelers if they had played them or the Eagles if they had played them, other playoff teams. But then you look at like, oh, oh, that's what real teams look like. That, that, that's what we have to beat. And you knew it firsthand from the Bills multiple times in the last month. Sorry, a week before. Yeah. Right. And then the Chiefs. And now I'm not willing to go all in and say, like, Wiggy, this is the death of the pocket passer. And you can't win if you don't have a guy that runs and does the things that Mahomes and and uh, Allen do. But you look at it and it's and, – and I also – forget just the quarterbacks. S- slide that to the side for a minute. We've talked about all year. Tyreek Hill catches a ball and goes whatever he went 60 yards while throwing the peace sign up to defenders that are in front of him on the football field. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have that. You don't have like the game on the line. It was very similar to when the Patriots beat the chiefs and it was Edelman and Gronk for Mahomes to beat the bills. All he did was throw to Kelsey and Hill. Like those are your superstars. Those are your go-to guys. And you don't have that. Now, forget for the Bills that Gabe Davis had a generational game for the ages out of nowhere kind of thing. Um, but you still had digs. Like, you still – you don't measure up Cooper Cup if you want to take it to the other games and, like, those go-to guys, big plays. It's what we talked about all year. When the season's on the line, it seems like superstars always win it. And mm-hmm. you don't have any superstars. Correct. Um, now, the, the alteration I'd ask you – And I think this is an interesting one. And I don't know the answer to this. I'm a little bit torn. My first reaction pre-last weekend was biggest needs of the offseason, linebacker speed, cornerback, playmakers on defense, retool your defense. You did the offense the year before. You've already invested a lot, a lot of which you can't get out from underneath. But then you watch those games and you're like, because neither the Bills nor the Bills are top five defense. And the Chiefs, they didn't play an ounce, a lick of defense at the end of that mm-hmm. game. 
it was like watching an all-star game, a pro bowl or whatever you want. Is that, is that what you like screw defense? Do you need to go all in on offense and get, use your, use your limited resources even to get, you know, whatever offensive playmakers, go-to guys. Like, I don't know. Did that change your view or alter no, your view? No, because you, you don't have that elite guy for them to work with. Like I, Patriots fans are going to get bothered, but I don't think Mac Jones has the potential to be an elite quarterback. He will be a very, he'll be a very good quarterback, but he's not going to get to the level of Mahomes or Allen where you can go out there and he can score 40 points at will. I just don't think that can happen. And so can he get to the, like, forget Mahomes and Allen. Cause he's, he doesn't have the skills they have the makeup. Um, can he get to, and this is unfair because they're Hall of Famers, but like I wish Carr, I guess, is a little bit closer of a comparison. I don't buy into the Joe Burrow comparison. Everybody That's jumped on this, you know, ridiculous comp for Mac Jones should be Joe Burrow. And I'm like, yeah, for blind people, because if you watch games, <laughs> it's not. Um, again, like Brady and Breeze were really good for a long time. I they know. didn't run. They didn't have rocket arms. They didn't throw underhand and sidearm and left-handed. I don't like, can he be that? Can he be a pocket passer who plays at a top 10, top five quarterback but, level? Okay. If he does that, it's still not going to be enough to be the best in the league. You know what I'm saying? Like, even if he, re if he reaches that max of the breeze, whatever, he's not going to be able to do the same things that, Allen and Mahomes can do so like it's just there's only there's a certain his ceiling is only so high no matter who you give him and and I'd also throw into that this is in my own mind that Drew Brees played in a dome so the the weak arm the indoor outdoor quarterback thing like he he had that benefit maybe by design maybe not maybe he got lucky Peyton Manning was a dome guy for most of his yeah. career Tom Brady's an outlier that the the theoretical sort of weaker armed pocket passer in the Northeast where wind and snow and rain. And I mean, he's the best bad weather quarterback maybe ever. I don't know if Mac can do that. Like I might, I might look at Mac differently if he was the Houston Texans quarterback. Like yeah. I know he's in a dome, he's in the South, whatever. Cause that's another, I still question what he's going to be like in those windy, cold, rainy. Like, whatever. don't get me wrong. Mac Jones is going to be a very good NFL quarterback. I and mean, he has a bright future. He's got, but like his ceiling is only so high where he can only be a very good quarterback and not a great and elite quarterback. And that's where the, the and that's not a bad thing for the Patriots. Like, I, I think that people are so like their vision is so changed over what happened for the last 20 years where they expect to, get to the AFC title game every year. And the reality is that just doesn't happen unless you have everything perfectly aligned. And they already have that aligned 20 for 20 years. It's you can't replicate it. So let me ask you a question that just kind of popped into my head, which is theoretically is an easy answer, but reality and theory are sometimes different. So what you just said, Max never going to be that guy mm -hmm. that like elite, whatever. So therefore the weapons around him matter more. We've talked about this, get yep. him the number one guys. And there's already whispers of doubt about Mac Jones because of the eyeball comp with Allen and Mahomes and, you know, these guys, would that play into your decision? Like, yeah, I got to get Mac weapons because people are going to turn on him in year two or like quickly, they're going to see. No, because like, I still think you're good enough to get to the playoffs. It's not like you're going to be like below 500 next year. You know what I mean?
Yeah, but is that good enough? He got to the playoffs this year, and some people think it was like a terrible season, like they fell apart because of that embarrassing loss. They lost their No, if you get to the playoffs, and you, as long as you don't get blown out, I guess I would say, but if you lose to Mahomes and the Chiefs in, in the divisional round, like I think fans would accept that. Okay. Because I, I still do think – because the other thing here is – you have to get to the playoffs. You have to win through the course of 17 weeks. Mm-hmm. And if you have a, a putrid defense, like a bad defense, not only do I think it'll get exposed by the Mahomeses and the Allens, but you might lose some games to the Trevor Lawrences and the Baker Mayfields. And right. you know what I mean? Like you don't take advantage of those matchups the way you have in the past. And then all of a sudden you don't even get the opportunity to fall on your face in the postseason because you lost some regular season games you shouldn't have because your defense isn't good because I think the defense I mean it was non-competitive in Buffalo but it has a lot of questions if, if JC Jackson isn't back you're missing two corners if Devin McCourty is gone if if Dante Hightower is gone you already have no linebackers no guys the right. only guys under contract I believe are Tavai and Wangi uh yeah and uh, McGroan McGroan and I think people are now starting to like, oh, he's the speed based linebacker. That's, that's what he like. Was. That's it's just unbelievable. Like how some people just spin like, oh, Ronnie Perkins, they have him. Yep. Well, McGrone, you know, he would have been a second round talent, not for the injury. You know, that. so obviously a speedy playmaker underside, like he's the future at linebacker. And maybe he is like, I don't want to totally dismiss it. No, but he's but not going to be a guy that changes your defense. He was a fifth round pick for a reason. I, I find it hard to believe that we're going to be like, whoo. Darius Leonard, who we got McGrone. (laughs) I find that hard to believe, but whatever. Um, Okay. So your biggest needs heading into the off season are now in order. Linebacker or no cornerback linebacker wide receiver. Yeah. I think I put, I mean, I guess we need like, this is a good transition into some free agents and, and JC Jackson. Are you under the assumption J.C. Jackson is is franchised and back? No, no. I'm I'm Are leaning towards to... I'm leaning towards no. That he's gone. Yeah. Oh. So hey. In that case, then you're right. Cornerback is the biggest need. That's where I put. Yeah, because like, it's what if you franchise him, that's like 17, 18 million, and that pushes you already up to your cap, and like, that's just one year. Like, you know what I mean? Like you kind of need to make a decision for your future. If you're gonna if you're gonna franchise him, just sign him doing an extension. Uh, yes, I would argue that. Now it's it's big pill to swallow, big picture, but it also would you should have a lower cap number in the first year. And that's cap what I mean. Like, grow. and I number having a number one cornerback is one of the top four or five most valuable positions on your team. I would say in this league. And we could. I mean, it's sort of a um, the flip side of the discussion we've been having. Everybody has playmakers. Everybody has number ones. Right. You need to be able to match that defensively. Now, you can argue whether does he match Stephon Diggs? Does he match Tyreek Hill? Does he match? We can get into a secondary discussion there, but he is a good corner. He is a a pro bowl slash all pro caliber cornerback, and they're not as good as they used to anyway, because speaking of this weekend's games, like Jalen Ramsey gets toasted, gets absolutely toasted half the time I watch him play. So if that's what's great in the NFL, Ramsey or even J.C. Jet, well, as we've said, there's the days of Deion Sanders and Darrell Revis are behind us. It's a different time. Right. Um, but yeah, you need a number one cornerback. You've always, A, you need it in the NFL. B, you need it for Bill's defense. Mm. You have one. I've actually come around on this. I think I would sign him. Try to sl- slot him into the, the Stefan Gilmore like 
slot on your like you you paid him 15 million dollars a year for five years see the only thing i don't see i think he's gonna want to break the bank okay well you know i don't know i'm with you though i i would offer him that like i think he's for what's out there he's he's a top i don't know 10 cornerback oh yeah i i think he is and then okay so i don't know the contract's difficult what's the contract is it six years 80 million dollars I mean, does that get it done? What's that? That's six times 10 is 60. Six times. Maybe. Well, see, that's not, if, if I could do that six years, 80 something million, I, I would probably do that. It's like, only third. He's not going to take that though. Unless he gets a ton guaranteed. No, you got to give him a ton guaranteed. Well, like I see I think the problem with, with JC though, and the Patriots is I think he looks at that franchise number and says, well, just franchise me. and I make this like, I think that's, well, that's a number that's going to be in his head. But that's where I don't want to franchise him because I do think that people say, well, I'm making 17 million a year. So that's where we start any conversations. That's why you don't. And you offer him a bigger number here. Don't look at the 17 here. I got 55 million guaranteed over here. 55 mm-hmm. million. Don't look at 17. Look at 55. Um, so that's a little bit. Yeah. Of a, and it's legitimate. I mean, 55 million, if, if it's guaranteed, that's a ridiculous amount of money guaranteed for a guy who was undrafted, who could have gone to jail for things that led to him being undrafted. Now he's got $55 million. You're you're in the camp of you want them to offer him a long-term extension. Yeah. I think you kind of have. And I haven't, have you, I don't know. Have you looked at the free agent corners? Uh, Well, the top two from the rankings I've seen PFF are JC Jackson and Stefan Gilmore. So, So it's either your guy or your former guy who's old and you didn't right. want more. Right. Um, so is it me or did that not get enough play? I d- did not get enough play at all. Um, yeah. It, like you went into Buffalo with D'Angelo Ross and Miles Bryant and Devin Bowers Williams, like, like Joe on Williams. You traded away Stefan Gilmore for really no reason. Correct. And he played out his contract for the other team. Right. Right. Like you, you mishandled that. And you could even talk about that. If you had Gilmore for one of those games to close out the year, you're telling me one of those games would been different if you had Stefan Gilmore. Now and you're then, playing at home. Correct. Yeah. It, it definitely did not get enough play. Like it did around the time of the trade, but at, afterwards, like towards the end of the year, I don't think it really got brought up much. Yeah. It was just forgotten. And it's like, that really could have changed your season if you kept him big time. I mean, I don't know if you'd still be playing necessarily, but no, no, but I think you would have had, you wouldn't have lost by 30 points, the bills. And I think the bills would have punted against you occasionally. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't have miles Bryant looking. I'm just even thinking back to the, the uh, second meeting at Gillette. Yeah. Miles Bryant was helpless. You would have actually had somebody who might try to cover. You could have won that game. You could have won the division. You could have gotten home. Things would have been so different. Yes, sir. Uh, yes. And then, and then, even after that, if Gilmore ends on good terms, maybe you're bringing him back, and you can let J.C. Jackson go. Like you could pay Gilmore less money, and now your your defense is in a much better position than it is now, where you don't know who's going to be your cornerback. Right. Yeah, I don't. So, what are your what are your off season needs? Right. Um, I guess either way, corner has to start it. It's either corner keeping J.C. Jackson or. Uh oh, JC Jackson's gone. I got to find some corners. And my somehow. thing with that is, if you 
no matter what, you're, you're adding a number one corner. So doesn't that take away from potentially adding a number one wide receiver? Yeah, and I don't, I don't even know. I mean, Devontae Adams, yes, is a number one wide receiver. He's available. You can't afford him. You're not getting him. Uh, Antonio Brown might still be a number one. You're not getting Antonio Brown. He's available. Um, I don't know where else. You, uh, don't sell me the crap that Braxton Berrios or Isaiah McKenzie Jesus. change your team. As I said to Mutt, adding one or two number threes does not give you a number one. You still just have a bunch of number threes. Well, wouldn't, wouldn't Isaiah McKenzie be like the classic Patriots signing this offseason? You crushed us last year, so we're going to sign you. Yes, because of his 20 targets or whatever, 12 came against the Patriots. I was just going to so, say, he only does good against the Patriots. Yeah, and, and he's not as young as I think people think he is. He's 27 years old, I think. He's been in the league like six years. Um, Calvin Ridley, I guess, would be the you know the Fitzy example. Fitzy loves that idea. He thinks somehow you can trade Isaiah Wynn for Calvin Ridley. I don't really understand it. Um, and he just has baggage and – not even just the mental health baggage, but the contract baggage. So even if you target a number one receiver, other than the mock early mock drafts, Jamison Williams, the kid out of Alabama with the torn ACL, you could get him and start that process, which long-term might be a great answer. Great decision. Mac and a guy who went to Alabama who mm -hmm. is hurt. So his value is down, you know, Oh, he's really a top 10 talent, but you get him at 21. You get him at 21 because of that, but for the here and the now, he's probably not going to start the year ready to go. He'll he'll miss some time. You haven't made your defense better. You didn't make your offense better for the September, October, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, maybe long term, you've added your Justin Jefferson or your you know new age you know Jalen uh, Jamar Chase. So I I don't think people are going to get the number one op option that they I don't want. think so either. I don't. I mean, I guess Ridley would be the most reasonable but how old is he he's 27 younger than i thought but still like he's but that's still older for that's what i mean it's not a young guy he's still he's had really one really problem. good year right and you're gonna have to make a one-year decision because he's in his fifth year option so you're are that's you what i mean with him you're you're not looking at you're not in like a tampa bay situation where it's win now it's like you're looking at like three four years down the line Right. Like if you gave me the choice and I haven't like done a lot of tape, I've watched him play. He's a great playmaker. Williams, Jameson Williams on the ACL or Ridley. Give me Williams. No question. Because I think long-term now I have Mac and Williams. This and isn't, the, this isn't Tom Brady at quarterback when you have a limited window, like you're looking right. years down the, the line and you want to be the next uh, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow. Like if you get Mac Jones and, and Williams, maybe that's your one, two tandem. And even beyond that, I would say I think that now opens up uh, Kendrick Bourne to be Gabe Davis. Yep. Like he can be your complimentary playmaker who's capable of big plays and big numbers as the next guy. Or Hunter Henry gets better. Like I think the domino effect, if you hit on, if Williams is Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, one of these elite young receivers, long term, I think that's a that puts them in the conversation we're talking about of you have your quarterback and your playmaker. And that kind of would have appeased the fan base too, where you talk about next year and like the Patriots not necessarily uh, making that deep run in the playoffs because of it. If they got to the AFC divisional round next year with Mac Jones and Williams, like showing chemistry and making progress, fans yep. could say, hey, we have our future. They are building something. Like we're going to be in this for the years to come, which I think would, would help too with the fan base and their mindset.
And I think just visually, it might help Mac on the field. Like it, it'll help him, but then also it'll fluff him up a little if he's making some plays with this young dynamic receiver. So yes, I think, but short term, what if they, what if, I mean, you said best of all worlds, they take him, he's on the field, they make the playoffs. Like that's the best of all worlds. Mm. What if they take him? He's not on the field for the first half of the year, starts on NFI, and then is okay. They miss the playoffs. Is that good or bad? Will people buy the story that they have their dynamic duo, or will there be questions? That's how he is, how it all plays out. Because you're right, the people could say, is he the next Nikhil Harry? But you know what they could, or, or what they could say is, you got the receiver. I'm not sure you have the quarterback. Now go get the quarterback to go with the yeah, receiver. I almost feel it's it's same, it's too, like Mac is your guy. Like he's 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 good enough to be your guy. I would also ask it's the same question: Who are you going to go out there and, and do better? Like who are you going to get? Uh, Aaron Rodgers. If he's available, I would take him. <laughs> I would too, but I don't think he's going to be available. No, I don't. Certainly either. not to you. You're no. not. You're not Super Bowl ready. Where he wants to go somewhere, Super Bowl. No, ready. but if whatever scenario came up that Aaron Rodgers said I want to play for Bill Belichick, I would have to say okay. Wait, but he's not vaccinated. But then. It's per- if, if he wants to play for Bill Belichick and the Patriots, I think you'd get him. And plus, luckily, the NFL's decided they don't test anybody anymore, so that's not an issue. Yeah, that's, um, that's true, too. Okay, so we've touched on a few things. Uh, I, I did want to dabble before we go in, because I want to talk about the games, both last weekend and next weekend in general. Um, Trent Brown, thoughts on him? Actually, I believe ESPN ranked him as a better free agent than J.C. Jackson. They did their top 20, and he ranked a slot higher. They went back uh, to That's back. not accurate at all. Whoa. Calling out the worldwide leader, hey? Oh, the one you agree, especially with, like, he's a younger player. Like, Trent Brown's, what, close to 30? He's had baggage at other places. It doesn't make much sense. Uh, I kind of agree. Even though he's a good – he can be a left tackle, he can be a right tackle, it's worked better in New England than it's worked anywhere else. Um, he already got his big contract, and it didn't work with the Raiders kind of fell apart there. Uh, yeah. I I'd like to see Trent Brown back. I'd like for him to say, yeah, I, I like being here. They like me here. Here's a two year deal at decent money. Like if he, if you could get him for, I don't know, I'm just going to throw a number out there, but I don't, I probably should have done a little research on this, but like, if you say you get Trent Brown at two years, 19 million, would you do it? Yeah. Like you, I would too. I think he's good enough. Plus it gives me some flexibility. If wind sucks, I can move him to left tackle, right tackle, whatever. I'm not, I'm not doing like three and uh, 40. Yeah, no, that feels, that feels too high. That's why now maybe Trent Brown would laugh at two and 19, but I yeah, also don't, don't, I don't, I don't know where he's, he's at. Cause he seems to like it here. Right. And he, I don't know what the like market a, is. he also seems like a guy that wants to take the most money. Well, he definitely wants the most money, but the 49ers soured on him. The Raiders soured on him. Everywhere he goes doesn't work. So I don't I don't know exactly what kind of market he would have out there for his services. He had the injury that missed, what, seven, eight game, eight games last year. Um, so, yeah, I think there's some questions there. I, I would try to sign him back because I do think the line, having a good solid line, would be beneficial to everything you want to do offensively. Um, okay, so last weekend, greatest weekend in the history of football, according to some. You buy into that? Yeah. You get all four games. We decided on the final play. How can you get any better than that? Uh, yeah. I don't know. It was pretty good. I don't I, I'm always hesitant. I, I'm, I'm always, <laughs> no, I the know. Guy like, that, I, like, 
Well, even the, the, the first numbers, dunk, I'm not giving you a 10 because it's the first one and I need to have room but to the go. The numbers on. backed it up. It was the, the point differential on all the games was the lowest it's ever been. So doesn't that kind of feed into what we're saying? Yeah, no, I, I loved it. I mean, the the um the Bengals game wasn't like overly exciting. Like I thought Tannehill kind of sucked. He yeah, that the, wasn't the best played game. He had the work. Four picks, three picks, three, three picks. picks. So, like, and then there's also the argument later in the weekend. Do you care about defense? Like, if you just want offense, if this is modern football and you just want to see plays and scores and big plays offensively, this definitely was in. And I got to admit, I like to consider myself a little bit old school and liking defense and fullbacks. Well, you and you got the Packers, 49ers. Yeah. But I also loved the Bills. Chiefs. I was like everybody else jumping out of my chair and like, Oh, unbelievable. So I got caught up in the emotion and the energy and, and everything of that game, even though the defense was really bad. Um, but yeah, it's hard to argue against it. It was, it was pretty legit to have every game come down to the final. And also you had like, it wasn't just all great games toe to toe, like the chiefs and the, and the cheat and the bills with the Tampa Rams game with the wild swings, the comebacks, the crazy plays, choking aspects like you kind of had all facets of football come together over the weekend and you had star quarterbacks very heavily involved in winning and losing and you know old guys new guys young guys guys making a name for themselves guys ruining their legacy if you're in the rogers side like there was a lot a lot going on there big picture wise um so just one thing that i mentioned to you off the air which made me laugh um because i wrote the column about you know the NFL is more is bigger, more powerful than ever. And I went back to find that that Mark Cuban quote, which I didn't even know was almost 10 years ago. It's eight years ago now. And he said in 10 years that the NFL would be done or like I, be, I believe the word was implosion in 10 years. The NFL is going to implode. And I'm like, they don't feel like they're imploding. They're exploding. They're getting bigger and better than bigger than they've ever been. Just look at the ratings. And then by comparison this week, Major League Baseball, like formerly America's pastime, their two big stories are they're in the midst of a lockout and their Hall of Fame locked out uh, Barry Bonds, the all-time home run king, and Roger Clemens, arguably a top five all-time pitcher, um, and just scandal about their Hall of Fame being a joke. And you let in one steroid guy, you don't let in another steroid guy. So um, I don't know how the NFL could be any more popular or rolling than it is right now. There's no argument to be made. So uh, turning the page to this weekend, A, are we in for a letdown? Yeah, I kind of get that sense. Doesn't it feel like the Niners-Rams game could stink? I was going to say the other game could stink. Oh, oh, that's – see, because you're a hater. You don't love my guy Joe. I just – they get – they're kind of banged up on the defensive side of the ball. Like, I just – I just can't – look, Joe Burrow was sacked nine times. And he won. I know. All he does is win and make plays. I just, I can't see their kicker. They have the kicker version of, of Burrow. That's kick Fierce, can cocky son of a bitch. He can get four bomb field goals in the homes and, and Tyreek and score two touchdowns in, in you know, 50 seconds. Um, That's true. I just, I, I, I just can't see the Cincinnati keeping up. Well, Cincinnati just beat him. I know, but like, that was on the road, a different 
different feeling. I want to say the Chiefs weren't didn't have their full uh, cast of players. Did Kelsey play in that game? Uh, I don't know. Because, wasn't that the game? I should. But they might not have Tyron Matthew this week. That was, seemed like that was a part of the, the nah, demise of their defense. Didn't really affect him last week. Um, he was injured in the first play of the game, wasn't he? Or the first well, series. It did affect them. They they were in a shootout where Josh Allen could do whatever he wanted. They just were able to win it in the end. I would argue they, they were able to to get by. Um, yeah, get by. We'll see. I just think you're selling my guy short, Joe so Burrow. You you really you're taking um, Joe Burrow and, and the Bengals? No, <laughs> not necessarily. I just I I don't think they're going to fall on their face. Kelsey did, did play in that last game. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that was the game where Jamar Chase. Very, very good job against the Chiefs' um, receiving core. Their, their leading receiver in that game was McCole Harden for one catch, 53 yards. Hmm. See, I think that's the key, is you can't and, – and I know we've been following Bill forever, like don't let the other team's best beat you, make their not best beat you. But, like, I think that Pringle guy stinks. Every time I watch that Pringle guy, I was talking to one of my buddies did a, like a, a fan duel, like pick thing and Pringle cost him like winning 500 bucks because he fell like five yards short of the receiving yards. I said, why the hell did you pick that guy? He stinks. Every Chiefs game I watch, he drops a pass. He always drops passes. And I feel like he, everybody talks about how their offense at various points looks like it, like can't find its rhythm. And I think he's the reason he's like the rhythm breaker. He, he takes them out of their offense, but I mean, I think you just double Kelsey and and uh, Hill yeah, and so say, Kelsey, okay. Kelsey had five catches for 25 yards. Tyree Kill had six catches for 40 yards. See? So you're talking yourself into the Bengals, baby. Well, now I'm looking at the other side of the ball. Oh, Jamar Chase, 11 receptions on 12 targets, 266 yards and three touchdowns. I don't think that's happening again. You never know. He's special. Um, I will say there's a little dirty pool going on. Do you see where – Kansas City fans have gotten themselves all lathered up because in September, Joe Burrow made a comment that no NFL stadiums as loud as the SEC. And now they're like personally offended because they're like the loudest place. And yeah, like, I, I saw that uh, the SEC is the loudest stadiums. NFL stadiums not compared to college. And but like he also was just saying it in general. And now they're acting like he said Arrowhead Stadium and their fans suck. Like he didn't. Right. He said it six months ago. Right. Now it's being no. used. It, it's very Belichickian what they're doing, getting themselves also, in a lather. Who cares? Well, but I don't know if the fans are throwing dildos at them or something. Who knows? <laughs> right. You know what they're going to do. No, but uh, yeah, I'm just like, I am coming off last weekend. I am really looking forward to this weekend. I think me and the world are, are set up for a disappointment because of how good last weekend was. It can't well, possibly be as good. Why do you think that the Rams 49ers game could be a letdown? Um, well, I don't trust either quarterback would be my first step. Um, and I know the, the 49ers have actually won four in a row, six in a row. Like they've, they've had the better of the series. Um, I just, I, I think it starts with the quarterbacks. I don't, tr as much as I like am all in on Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, like their swagger that I'm not in on Stafford. I'm not like Jimmy. I love but Jimmy be Jimmy, Jimmy going to give you a chance to catch the ball a couple times. So I, I think it starts with the quarterbacks and sort of goes from there. Now, both teams, you know, the defense for the defensive front for the, the Rams certainly loaded and they could be fun and make plays and that could play into Jimmy self-destructing and falling apart. 
or Debo Samuel could take the game into his hands and just have, you know, one of those superstars. You know, I said it earlier, mm-hmm. I think stars win in the postseason. Well, Debo Samuel is a budding superstar, one of the more unique players in the National Football League. He could take it over. I just, I don't really trust the coaches to some degree, I think, in that game. I feel like there's some questionable coaching, like. Uh, no question. So, yeah, I just, I don't I trust. I say both coaches stink, but both coaches leave you, if the game's in the line, they can make a questionable mistake to hurt their team. Correct. So, I mean, maybe I'll be wrong. I mean, it is interesting to have a, it's a division. It's, it's Patriots bills third time around, but it's the NFC title game at the home of the Super Bowl. Like there's a lot that goes into it. I just, I don't know. I think, I feel like we're in for a letdown and you could be right. We could be in for a double letdown. The Bengals could fall on their faces and the chiefs could roll. And I just get the sense the Bengals have done as much as they can do. Well, you're wrong. They're here to make noise. Isn't that what my guy Burrow said? They're here to make noise. Yeah. We don't want to be labeled as the underdogs anymore. We're here to make noise. Bleep that. Um, okay. Anything else? I don't think so. Good. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> lunchtime. Getting near lunchtime. All right. Uh, we'll be back next week. with um, Maybe there'll be some coaching news. Still haven't gotten anything yet. Well, we, we could also be back in an emergency setting. If, if one of the coaches leaves, I think we would probably do a, a quick emergency reactionary podcast for McDaniels or Mayo or I don't know if we'd do one for the front office guys. Probably not, but who knows? Uh, and then we'll have a reaction to the division. I mean, the championship games, which hopefully aren't a letdown, but I guess we're setting ourselves up for that. Well, the good news is if we go in prepared to think they won't be as good and we're then they are happy. good, we'll be happy. Right. Like, so you set the standard. Don't expect too much. Don't want for too much. It's like my furnace guy. My furnace guy came to fix the furnace and was here for like hours, like three hours. And he's like, boy, that took longer than I expected. And I was like, oh boy, this is going to be a big bill. So in my head, I got $1,200 in my head. If it comes in below $1,200, I'll be happy. I like that. I like that. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll be back next week. This is a long podcast. Thank you for listening. If you're still tuned in. And like we said in the last podcast, you can always make it a two-parter. Just stop listening and pick it up the next day. One guy called us out because we had mentioned that it was maybe a two-commute podcast. He's like, two-commute? wasn't even one dog walk and i was like holy crap you must have a lucky dog what do you do with our normal podcasts i guess we you know we got to step up to the plate and go a little longer we need a little more stamina in our podcast so uh we'll do our best all right uh have a good week and enjoy the games hopefully they're better better than we're uh, making them out to be and we'll uh, talk to you next week peace out Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus